Tonight, we finish our series called A New Way of Thinking. And uh, just for review, in case you've missed a week or two, let me take a moment to go over the last three weeks and talk about what we're going to do tonight. In week one, we dealt with Proverbs 4.23, and the, the study that night was guard your mind. We talked about how your mind is influenced by what you put into it. And the devil knows that he can corrupt your life by corrupting your thoughts. So you need to guard your minds. I was talking to an individual just today about another individual, not in our church, but another individual uh, in the state of South Carolina who is having some um, tremendous life-altering problems. And I'm speculating now, but I believe some of that, if not all of that, might have been avoided had he guarded his mind. And so the devil knows that if he can work in your mind first, he can work in your your life later. If he can work in your mind first, he can work in your marriage later. If he can work in your mind, he's got a foothold to the rest of you. So we talked about in the very first Bible study, guard your mind then week two, we talked about train your brain. Proverbs 4, 8, 9, Apostle Paul said, think on these things. And he gave us a checklist. He gave us a list of things we ought to put into our minds, the positive things that we ought to put into our minds. Keeping the bad stuff out, guarding our minds. Keeping the bad stuff out is a good first step. Second step is to think about the good stuff. The positive effects of right thoughts is powerful. And so Paul says, here's kind of a list of Think on these things. And so we talked about that in week two, train your brain. Week three, last time, last Sunday night, we talked about renovate your mind. Based on Proverbs 12, 1 and 2, he says that your your life should be transformed. Your mind should be transformed. He made the case that a happy life is through the transformation of your thought life. That really happiness comes through the transformation of your thought life, that your mind is instrumental to all that you hope to be and plan to be. And so we talked about the power of your mind. The reason it needs to be transformed is because your brain is so powerful. Your mind can make you physically sick. You've probably heard people say, I'm worried sick about this. Where's that worry occurring occurring in their brain? Worried sick about this. Your mind can deceive you. That's why a 99-pound girl can look in a mirror and say, I'm fat. And go throw up to trying to get skinny. Your brain can deceive you. Uh, your mind can make you a prisoner to your past. It's amazing how sometimes all you can think about are the, the, the problems of the past. And, it, and all of that is located right here in your mind. Your mind can become corrupted and move you away from God. It can become corrupted and move you away from your belief in God. And what you once believed, you don't believe anymore. And what you once hung on to, you don't hang on to anymore. And how does all that come about? It comes about because of our mind, because of our brain, what's going on in there. And that's the reason we need to be transformed, the Bible says. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So tonight, basically what we want to talk about is, how do you really do that that big renovation that we talked about last week. How do you transform your brain? How do you, in fact, I almost titled this study, Brainwashing. 
Because sometimes we need to wash our brains, don't we? Brainwashing usually has a negative connotation. But there are, you could make a, a positive statement for washing your brain. Some of you need to do some brainwashing and wash the bitterness out. You need to do some brainwashing and wash the lust out. You need to do some brainwashing and wash the critical thoughts out. You, you need some brainwashing. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. One of the best ways to wash your brain is through memorizing Scripture. Dr. Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary once made this statement, and after I read it, I thought, I am so glad I, I didn't have him. Here's, he, he said, now, now Howard Hendricks is, is like the best professor of all times in, in most circles. People would say, Who, who's the number one professor you've ever heard? It'd be Howard Hendricks. Hands down, Howard Hendricks. But Howard Hendricks at Dallas Theological Seminary, he's, he's with the Lord now, but he once made this statement. He said that if it was his decision, every student graduating from Dallas Theological Seminary would be required to learn a thousand verses word perfect before they could graduate. A thousand verses word perfect before they could graduate. I would say he believed in brainwashing, didn't he? Dallas Willard said, If I had to choose between all the, di- all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. It's a fundamental way of just filling our minds with what it needs. I've told some of you on a Wednesday night study about a friend of mine that I had in college named Rex Keener. Rex Keener uh, was a guy that, that I went on my first mission trip with. Uh, we went to uh, Nassau, Bahamas on the very first mission trip, Nassau, Bahamas. I mean, some people's got to do that hard stuff, you know? And, and so Rex and I and a group of other college students, we went on this mission trip. And Rex was a fascinating, this was a college guy. This was not a 45-year-old preacher. This, this was a guy who at that time was probably about 20 and at that time in his life, he had memorized, I think it was at least, I think it was three-fourths, but I'll be safe and say half of the New Testament. He could quote the entire book of Romans to you. He could quote, the, he started, he said the very first book he ever learned was the book of James. And he'd quote the whole book of James. Or before he goes to bed, he'll quote verse by verse, the entire book of Romans. He could quote 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He could, he, he could quote uh, Galatians. He could quote Ephesians. He could quote Philippians. He had memorized, I think it was three-fourths of the New Testament. I'm almost positive, but, but I'll safely say half of the New Testament. It, he was a fascinating man. And, and I once asked him, I said, Rex, You've got to tell me, how do you do that? You know how you do it? You work at it. Right? Now, he had, some, he had some little techniques and things that he did. And one of the things that he did, and I shared this on Wednesday night, he, he wrote the verses he's trying to memorize on a card and put it in his pocket. And, and wherever he was, he said, Keith, we have a lot of dead time. Now, again, this was a 20-year-old college kid. This was not a... 45, 55-year-old preacher, experienced, seasoned veteran. This was a college kid. He said, Keith, we, we waste so much time. 
He said, I just carry scripture around in my pocket, and when I'm at a red light, instead of just sitting at the red light, I'm, I'm quoting scripture. I'm trying to memorize scripture. If I go to the grocery store, instead of just waiting in line, I pull my card out, and I'm, I'm memorizing scripture. And then every night before he went to bed, he would, he would rehearse everything that he had read that day, everything he had tried to memorize that day, and then he would go back and do what he, what he had learned the day before, and he'd recite that as well. And he had this system, and it was, it was amazing. Now, I know some of you are sitting there thinking, because I, I have the ability to read minds. Not really, but sometimes I wonder if I do. Uh, you're sitting there thinking something like this. I get a pass on this one because I can't memorize. Right? I have problems memorizing. And, and I would say you're probably right. You're pro- you, you probably do have problems memorizing. And so I, I just want to prove the point that you're right, and you do have problems memorizing. Um, John, what's your phone number, your cell phone number? You didn't have to look that up, did you? Um, Donna, do you, you don't give us the, the whole thing. Do you know the last four digits of, of Kelsey's Social Security number? Does anybody know the last four digits of your child's Social You know, give me the last four digits. But she knew it. I mean, she can't check. There you go. All right. All right. Um, let me see. Now, you're about to get in trouble right now. I'm telling you right now. What is your anniversary date? <laughs> you just messed up my whole illustration, but... Let me ask you this. How many of you could say, you know, if, if the projector broke down and we were singing hymns one night, I, I could sing Amazing Grace, word perfect, the entire song. I'm not talking about a solo. I just mean you wouldn't need the hymnal, right? Yeah. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Um, th- this is going to be a hard one. How many of you, listen to this now, how many of you know... Not only your birthday, you know all of your children's birthdays. You know, you're right. You guys can't memorize anything. You really can't. You really struggle with that, don't you? No. It's amazing what you can memorize. This past weekend, Lisa and I, Jonathan was running with Anderson Track down in Myrtle Beach. And this past weekend, in fact, yesterday, I was in Myrtle Beach. And... um, we, we stayed at Ocean Lakes Campground. Anybody stay at Ocean Lakes? And we hadn't been at Ocean Lakes since years and years and years and years ago. Uh, we rented Dan Cooper's uh, camper or trailer or whatever that cabin uh, down there years and years. I mean, years ago. We couldn't even remember how long ago it was. But Lisa and I had a little golf cart. We were just by ourselves, and we were riding around the campground. She said, let's go see if we can find Dan Cooper's old place, the one we rented years ago. We were down at the beach when she said that. I said, all right. Now, I'm bragging a little bit, but I went from the beach across. You know, if you've ever been to Ocean Lakes, there's more than 10 houses there, right? There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of houses and campers. I went from the beach, made all of these turns through this campground, and went exactly to that camper. Just, I just found it. 
Of course, I kind of bragged about it to Lisa, you know, a little bit. So, how about that, huh? Look at that. We didn't drive around. I, I drove right to it. Yes, dear, you're wonderful. Here's my point. Your mind is amazing. You, you and I, I'm pointing to myself, you and I, we just don't use it near enough. And so what we want to talk about tonight is, is how we can do that. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about the importance of memorizing Scripture and then give you some, some practical tips. And I'm actually going to challenge you tonight to do more than memorize a Scripture. If you notice on your notes, what does it say there on the notes? It says, 10 ways to do what? Memorize big chunks of Scripture. And I'll talk to you about that in, in just a moment. The, the possibility of doing more than memorizing a verse. I want you to think about this before we jump into the study. What could help you more? Can you think of anything else you could memorize that would help you as much as memorizing the Word of God? Now, now, think through this with me. If you really believe, now, now don't just say yes because it's, it's what everybody expects you to say. If you really believe that this is God's Word, if you really believe that this was from God and it is God's Word, what better thing could you memorize than that? And so, I want you to open God's Word to Psalm 119. And you probably know that Psalm 119 is the psalm that's written about God's Word. It's the longest psalm in the book of Psalms. And it it is all about the Word of God. But basically, if you study Psalm 119, you'll you'll find two things. You'll find that, that nothing has the power to change your life like God's Word. Nothing has the potential to encourage you in struggles like God's Word. And that's kind of the theme through Psalm 119. And so here's what I believe. I believe that, there's, that nothing has the potential to change your thinking like committing Scripture to memory. Uh, Psalm 119, we read beginning in verse 9, I believe it is. Let me turn to the correct page. Yes, verse 9. He begins with a question. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. He says, I I, I get that. I I believe that. And that's why I seek you with all of my heart. Do, Do not let, this is his prayer, Lord, do not let me stray from your commands. Because I really believe that in living by your word, I, I, I'll be the kind of person you want me to be. And then he takes it a step further in verse 11. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. This verse in the Bible puts it into perspective for us in 15 short words in verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's divide that into two sections for a moment. First, the first half of the verse is a good description of Scripture memory. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Somebody help me teach this lesson tonight. What does the word hidden imply to you? What does that word hidden mean to you? Say that again. Tucked it away. Placed 
placing it in your heart. Do, do what? Place where I can find it. I think that's pretty much what you said. What would you say, Bing? Somewhere where no one else can get it. But where you can have access to it. Yeah. Anybody else? I have hidden the word. Huh? Memorize. Secured. Good. All those are good answers. You know what I wrote down for that word? I wrote down these word, these two words. Deliberate action. Deliberate action. I have this conviction. You don't accidentally memorize Scripture. There has to be a deliberate action to it. And that's what the psalmist is talking about in verse 11 when he says, I have hidden your word in my heart. I have hidden your word in my heart. It can be translated, I have stored up your word in my heart. That is a deliberate action. That is something you do intentionally. That is something you're doing with a plan, with a purpose. And here's the the payoff when you do it. He says, and the payoff is, is this, that I might not sin against you. Now, we could just stop right here and have church for a few minutes. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I can brag about how much Bible verses I know. No. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I feel good about myself. No. I have hidden your word in my heart, he says, so that I will not sin against you. Everybody focus with me for a moment. Think about the importance of what he just said. The importance of what he just said is this. I have found two things. Number one, sin is very real. And I have found, number two, the only way that I can defeat that sin is if I have something more than what I know. I have to have something outside me. I have to have something greater than me. I have to have a resource to help me because sin is very, very real. And without it, I've got no choice. I've got no chance. But with it, if I take God's Word and not just read it and not just study it, although those things are wonderful, but he says, I I found that I, I have to hide it in my heart. In my mind, it could be translated, so that I will not sin against you. You see, it helps you to think differently when you do that. It helps you to live differently. Chuck Swindoll said, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing the Scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your faith will be solidified. See, when you're memorizing Scripture and you're taking God's Word into your mind, all of a sudden, see if this makes sense, all of a sudden you've got a resource there you didn't have before and now you can make wiser decisions. And now you can stand up against temptations. Now you can... Do things you weren't able to do before. Just the other day, there was something. I was backing the car out 
uh, or the truck, I believe I was in the truck. I was backing the truck out of the driveway, and I was thinking about something. My mind was going in one direction, and all of a sudden, a scripture came into my brain that I had memorized. And it was almost as if I would put the brakes on. You ever had that experience? It's like God brings that scripture to your mind, and it's like, better put the brakes on that thought. You, you, don't, you don't need that critical spirit. You better put the brakes on that thought. You don't, need, you don't need to go there. Now, that wasn't me. That was the Word of God that was in me. So, what, we want, what I want to talk to you tonight is, is ten reasons to memorize big chunks of the Bible. And verses are wonderful. And, and you, that's, that's the good place to start. You ought to memorize verses of the Bible. And our deacons have been memorizing verses of the Bible. Uh, Rob is our chairman, Rob Merritt, and, and, and he, he laid out for us. And I've got it in my office, and I can give you a copy of it. I believe it was 12 verses, if I remember correctly, uh, about revival. And he's asking our deacons to memorize these verses. That is a wonderful place to start. But I'm going to challenge you to go even go beyond that and let's try to memorize chunks. And I'll define chunks for you in just a minute. Here's what I like to do. Rob, I, do you want to share anything about Scripture memory uh, or anybody else, the value of it? Uh, could maybe kind of give us a quick testimony about the value of Scripture memory. Uh, he and I have talked about this previously, but I don't really have him lined up, so I'm, we're doing that right now, if you all just give me a minute. Have you got anything you want to share? Absolutely. Awesome. Anybody else? Have you, have you got... Yes, Donna? I wonder if anybody noticed that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered if anybody was, was catching that today. Anybody else? Absolutely. And it, it's fascinating to me how you, you can learn something years ago, but it's still there. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Anybody else? Appreciate these testimonies. Let me, t- yes. <laughs> that works. Make it practical. Go ahead and quote it to us now. That is a perfect example. <laughs> All right, what's Ephesians 6 1? <laughs> That's one every parent ought to remember. <laughs> I like that. Anybody else got a good word? I, I appreciate that. Okay, let me talk to you about 10 reasons to memorize big chunks. Of the Bible. This, and I want to tell you that this comes from a guy named John Bloom. Something that I read, I thought it was good and worth passing on to you. Um, let me define big chunks. Again, I want to say you ought to memorize verses, and most of, the, of my scripture memorization has been verses, most of it. Uh, and, and I treasure those verses that I've memorized over the years. And uh, you might want to start there, just if you're not doing this very much, you might want to start with just verses. But, personally, this is talking to Keith right now, personally, I feel like that my next step is that I need to start memorizing larger chunks of Scripture. And uh, I need that challenge, I need that discipline, and so part of this study is is for my benefit as much as yours. Uh, Big chunks, what what is a big chunk? It could be a, a whole book. It could be a chapter, and I want to start there, chapter of the Bible, or it might be a section of Scripture, you know, five, six, eight, nine, ten verses. Not necessarily a whole chapter, but a, a major portion of that chapter. So you can define what a chunk is, but a chunk is, here, here's a Hebrew word, a chunk, I'm kidding, a chunk is what, I'm, what I mean by that is just a a, a, a Something more than one or two verses, but a large portion of Scripture. So, here's ten things, and, and we'll give you some practical application. Ten reasons to memorize big chunks of the Bible. Number one, because you have a bad memory. And you say, that doesn't make sense. Well, write it down, let me help you with it. Because you have a bad memory. The reason you need to memorize large chunks of Scripture is because you have a bad memory. I've got a bad memory, too. Lots of people think that I've got a good memory, and I remember everybody's name, everybody's face, and and I remember some people. The truth of the matter is I struggle in that area. I struggle trying to remember everybody. And, and I, I, will, I will see people, and, and when I see them, it's like, man, I know their face. But I do not know if, if which service they're in, or if it's somebody that I met somewhere else. Or I mean, this this happens to me all the time. And does that happen to anybody else? Help me. Uh, d- d- does it not drive you crazy? Is it not embarrassing? Especially if it ever happens, I'll go. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> it happens a lot. 
You know why I need to memorize big chunks of Scripture? Because I need the daily discipline of working my brain. I need to memorize. And saying I don't memorize well is not a good excuse. I need to train my brain. I need to work my brain. I need to wash my brain. Because I have a bad memory, I need to work it. Rather than sit back and say, well, I can't do that. All right, so that's, that's the first reason. There's no Scripture with that one. Some of these will have Scripture. Number two. Because you need to feed your mind. You need to feed your mind. Go to 2 Peter 1.4 real quickly. I don't have time to really say a lot about these, but I want to give you some scriptures. 2 Peter 1.4. Well, we'll start at verse 3. Verse 3 and 4. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. If you focus on verse 4, he talks about some precious and very great promises. If they were in our memory banks then we, we could pull them out and realize we're not alone and we're not battling anger by ourselves. We're not battling lust by ourselves. We're not battling fear by ourselves. But we have these wonderful, great promises from the Word of God we could pull out. And through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We need those precious promises. And, and it would help us if we would feed our mind with those. Number three, because this is going to sound strange too. Here, here's why you need to memorize big chunks of the Bible. Because the Bible is too accessible to you. He challenged me again. This is John Bloom. He challenged me with, in my thinking with some of this. Let me, let me just read this little short paragraph. He said, it's strange how having an abundance of something can result in our neglecting it. If the Bible's always there on our tables and on our tablets and our phones and our computers and on the web where we can dip in and read sections and search for key words when needed but feel no urgency to really internalize it, then memorizing is one way we can fight that delusion. I thought that was a great point. Bible's always accessible, and that's wonderful that it's always there. But Sometimes, because it's always there, we don't feel any sense of urgency to internalize what is there. And if we will memorize it, it helps us internalize what we're reading. See, one of the reasons I want to... I'm just being very transparent with you. One of the reasons I want to memorize big chunks of Scripture is because I want to deal more seriously with the Word of God. And I want the Word of God to deal more seriously with me. Does that make sense? I don't want to stay on this surface level. And listen, I'm going to be very transparent. I don't want to stay on the surface level, and I don't want to stay on this level of just preparing Bible studies and preparing sermons. I want to go deeper than that. I don't want to just find stuff to say to you. I want to go deeper than that and have it say something to me. Now, I know, I know that when I'm studying that the Word of God does speak to me, and He teaches me before I teach you. I get all of that. I know all of that. But there's also this itch that I have. This itch that I have where I want the Word of God to... I want to be able to dwell on, think of the Word of God. And, and I'm just convinced that maybe 
I need more than a verse, though again, there's, it's wonderful to memorize verses. But for me, I need the whole context. I need to be able to think through a chapter. And so, because the Bible is so accessible, sometimes perhaps we don't take it quite as seriously as we need to. Number four. Again, this is one of those reasons you'll, you'll say, what? But write this down. Another reason to memorize big chunks of Scripture is because you have the Internet. The Internet is teaching us how not to read. We're becoming information scanners instead of readers. Quickly browsing but not digesting very much. Folks, I'll tell you what, Google is an amazing device. But we're losing patience for deeper reflective reading of the Word of God. We're losing that desire to look at long passages of Scripture and deeply reflect on that meaning. Uh, I love sometimes being able to Google something and find that verse like this. Sometimes there's a great value in doing more than a quick search of something. Does that make sense? You've got to let sometimes, you've got to just deal with the text. And, and, and what I found, the value of dealing with the text is I see other things out there on the, on the, uh, on the sidelines I would not have noticed if I, all I had done was a Google search. Number five. <laughs> Again, this is John Bloom. Don't get mad at me. Number five. Because you don't know the Bible as well as you think you do. I'm just read what he wrote so you won't get mad at me. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend you've known for a while that made you realize that there were dimensions to them you never knew and suddenly you understood them better and felt closer to them? That's what memorizing longer passages and even books of the Bible will do for you. You'll find nice Bible friends become earnest confidence and counselors. Um, write this book name down, Divine Mentor. Divine Mentor. I believe that's the correct name. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's, the author's name right now. Um, he pastors in Hawaii. See, I told you I've got a bad memory. Yeah, Google that. <laughs> oh, man. Divine Mentor is a great book about just taking the Word of God, not just memorizing it, but it's really a, a great book about studying the Word of God, but he has the same principle of allowing the people in the Bible to mentor you. Allowing the people that you read about to become your mentor. Allowing Moses to become your mentor. Allowing David to become your mentor. Allowing Peter or Paul to become your mentor. Not just reading them, not just reading about them, but allowing them to mentor you. Allowing Samson to teach you about what can happen if you don't control your lust. Allowing David to teach you how one decision can affect your entire family. Uh, allowing these people to be your divine mentors. It's a great book, fascinating book, and that's essentially what he's talking about here. You don't know the Bible as well as you think you do, and if you memorize large chunks of it, uh, these people will become your friends and your confidants and your mentors. Number six, because God's Word will become more precious to you. God's word will become more precious to you. Donna said something, and we're going to look at a scripture in a moment. You, you can go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. 
Colossians 3.16. Donna said something a moment ago, and she's talking about Kirk today, and she said it, it was amazing, or, or she mentioned how he just went from Scripture to Scripture, just quoting things. Can I ask you a question? I, I, want, you to, I want you to respond just yes, or shake your head, or that's right, or amen, or something. I need a response of some sort. Here's the question. Do you enjoy listening to or watching someone quote Scripture? Why is that? Why, I don't have a big answer for you. I want your input. Why is it that it, it, it's just kind of refreshing and it is kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just inspiring. Tell me, help me here. Why is it that we like to hear people quote Scripture? Okay. So it's kind of an admiration. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. You stand in awe, okay? Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I had a professor in uh, seminary in my doctoral work. He's now the president of the seminary, Dr. Chuck Kelly. Uh, but before he became president, he was uh, in the head of the Evangelistic Church Growth Department from which I got my doctorate. Um, but Dr. Kelly in class, over and over and over, he would start class, something like this. All right, men, it's time to start today. Now, and, and he would just start quoting Scripture. I sat there just fat, and, and he wouldn't just quote a verse. I mean, he, he would quote what we'd call here tonight big chunks of Scripture. And I just sat there, and I watched him, and I've, I, I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten how, as he is quoting it, it, for some reason, it seems to come more alive when somebody is quoting it than it does when I'm reading it. And so I, I was just fascinated by his ability to quote big chunks of Scripture. But here's the thing that got me, and maybe you can relate to this. Maybe it doesn't happen all the time because some people seem to just quote rote memory and they're, they're just, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M. They're just kind of quoting rote memory. But lots of times when you hearing, hear these people who are quoting Scripture, especially when it's big chunks of Scripture, I get the sense they really believe that stuff. And it is, it is just fascinating, and there is admiration to say God's Word is very precious. It seems like, maybe that's, maybe that's it, it seems like God's Word is very precious to them. Now, let's go to the Scripture, Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom and as you sing songs of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. First half of the verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of God is precious. Number seven, 
Another reason to memorize big chunks of Scripture, you'll see more of God's glory. You will see more of God's glory. Tell me a way that you have seen God's glory this week. How have you seen God's glory this week? Watch it, watching, watching 170 youth worship during Disciple Now. Somebody else? Hey, yeah, yeah. Hearing the birds chirping in the morning. Somebody else? Seeing a baby being born. Absolutely. I mean, that—that that is. Mm-hmm. Seeing the trees come. Seeing the trees come alive. I've just got this um, appreciation for the trees. Just they're beautiful. Now I hate the smell of some of them, especially Bradford pears. In fact, I said to my wife today, although I can't smell most of the time, so I shouldn't be complaining. Uh, but I said to my wife today, I said, how can something be so pretty and stink so bad? I just don't get it. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 21. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 21. It says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, And there he revealed himself to Samuel. What's the next three words? You hadn't got there yet. 1 Samuel 3.21 The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. You have told me today that God has revealed himself, revealed his glory to you as you've looked at the trees, if you, as you've seen a baby being born, as you've listened to the birds chirping. We've got a glimpse of God's glory. Now, one of the ways that we really get a chance to see more of God's glory is through his word. Memorizing his word helps us to listen carefully and to perceive, to perceive more of his glory. Number eight. You're going to like, this number eight is going to be your, your, your favorite one. You're not going to know how to spell it, but it's going to be your favorite one. Why should you memorize big chunks of Scripture? Here's number eight. Because it will fine-tune your Huey gauge. He spells it H-O-O-E-Y. Your Huey gauge. I'm going to have to read this one to you. This is good. He says... The world lies to you all the time. The devil is the father of lies, John eight forty four, and the world lies uh, in his power, first John five nineteen. And your sin nature lies to you, and false brothers lie to you. The better you know God's word, the more skillful you'll become at handling it. First or second Timothy two fifteen. The clearer listen to this, the clearer you have his word in your mind, the more accurately you will discern the dynamic Huey. Having a lot of God's word in your head will fine-tune the Huey gauge. I don't know where he got this idea of Huey. Has anybody ever heard that before? Huey? Huey, Huey, Huey. I don't know what it is. H-O-O-E-Y. Huey gauge. Anybody know what a Huey gauge is? Now what? 
I think what he's saying is this. He's saying when you know God's word, you'll be, be able to recognize what's not truth. The more you, listen, listen, the more you know the truth, the easier it is to recognize a lie. And memorizing God's word helps you to know the truth. Number, t- number nine, we're about to finish. Number nine. This is going to hit home with somebody. Another reason to memorize big chunks of God's word is because you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Suffering is going to come your way, or it may already have. And it'll be confusing and disorienting to you. And when you have memorized large chunks of scripture, it's going to help you to stay in the, in the, in the fight. It's going to help you. It's going to be your anchor to hold you there. And when you're able to sit in the doctor's office or you're able to sit in the, in the hospital or you're able to sit in your room all by yourself and memorizing perhaps chapters of the Bible, it's going to calm your mind. You'll know what chapters to turn to and you won't even have to open your Bible. Wouldn't that be great? If you could just kind of flip through the chapters in your mind and, and quote a chapter while you're inside that big tube and they're taking that scary test. I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to allow you to take your Bible in there. But if the Word of God is in your mind, you can start quoting that Scripture. Quoting that Scripture. Quoting that Scripture. Number 10. It's like number 9, but it's, it's different, and it really goes along with what Rob said. Number 10 is this, because your brothers and sisters are going to suffer. Not only are you going to suffer, your brothers and sisters are going to suffer. And memorizing large portions will will allow you to lovingly minister to them. Allow you to lovingly help them. Allow you to lovingly speak truth into their situation. Because here's the cool thing. Isn't it amazing when you can say, you know, the Bible says, and you just share. Can I give you a word of encouragement from the Bible? And you just share maybe that chapter or that chunk. You're not doing it to, to boast. You're not doing it to, to make yourself look good. You're doing it because the Word of God has permeated you, is in you, And now you have the opportunity to share it with somebody else. So here's my challenge. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to report to anybody. But I would like to challenge you to choose a big chunk of Scripture to memorize. You can decide how big the chunk is. It might be a section of a chapter. It might be an entire chapter. It might be a whole book. If you decide to memorize a whole book, like the book of James, give yourself plenty of time to do it. It will require you to recite it every night and rehearse it and work your way through it. I've got one or two chunks in mind for me. And I want you to find your chunk, and I want you to be able to memorize it. And if the day comes when you say, Pastor, I got it memorized then I want you to stand here and I want you to quote it for us. Not so everybody can say, 
Wow, isn't he super spiritual? Isn't she a big Christian? But so that you can encourage one another, and together we can say, that is truth. That is God's word. And it'll encourage us all to keep on the task. So let me pray over you, and we're going to be dismissed. But find your large chunk of Scripture to memorize. Father, help us, I pray, to maybe just take a verse and start there. Maybe it's those 12 verses that we've, uh, we've gotten as deacons. And start there. Or, 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 Lord, if there's a bigger chunk of Scripture, if there's a chapter, if there's, if there's a certain portion of Your Word, like in Philippians 2, let this mind be in You that is also in Christ Jesus. If, if there's a, something from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, maybe it is uh, one of the great Psalms, or maybe it's a whole book like the book of Philippians or the book of James. God, would you remind us, would you clarify in our hearts what we need to do, where we need to start, and give us the desire, give us the discipline. Help us to exercise that discipline, O Lord. And I pray that you would saturate our hearts and our minds and we would become more and more people who desire to know your word on a deeper, deeper level. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. And we know that you are indeed the word who came and tabernacled among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. As we get to know this word better, Lord Jesus, may we get to know you better. It's in his name I pray.